It's time for building the game. Building the game with Jason and friends. Tabletop game design. The Hello and welcome to Building the Game, a documentary podcast. Today is Monday, January 6th, and you're listening to episode 397. Ah, yes, 397, we're here. I feel like I do that a lot. Like I'm like, oh yes, here's the number again. But I blame Rob because I feel like Rob used to do that all the time and then I just kind of got stuck in my brain and yeah. Maybe for the new year, I'll try to stop doing that. I don't know. Probably not. But Stop saying the number again or stop blaming Rob? Oh, uh, no, no. We will always be blaming Rob. That is uh, that is part of the DNA of the show. Uh, <laughs> even when Rob was on, that uh, the voice you hear on the other end of the line is uh, is my good friend Kelly Hoagland. Kelly, how you doing? I'm doing quite well, Jason. Thank you for having me. How you doing? I'm doing fantastic, yeah. Um, you know, so... Uh, yeah, builders, you're probably like, wow, you guys have had a lot of guests so sad of late. Uh, yeah, because the holidays. Um, turns out that uh, my other f- designer friends are uh, less f- deadbeats than my g- co-host, my official co-host, who, who are too busy to be here. So, no, I'm kidding. Uh, last week we had Nicole. Uh, next week, I believe we'll have Jason Katarski or Julio. Uh, but this week you get Kelly uh, because he wants to talk about some games and uh uh, Kelly, so recently you sent me, and we're this is going to be something we talk about later, but you sent me a prolific list of games you are working on right now. Yeah. Uh, I'm not sure about prolific, but yes, I did send a decent-sized list of games. Um, yeah, I was hoping to uh, get some feedback and whatnot because I'm usually pretty busy and it's difficult to meet up with other designers around here to get playtests in. So. Right, right. That is... That is tough. That is really tough to do. So um, later you're going to pitch one of those games. Um, so, uh, but yeah, you sent that and I was like, I got to have you on the show soon. And then I was like, hey, how about this week? <laughs> Indeed. So, um, so you, uh, you mentioned over New Year's, you got to play some games. Uh, yeah. What did you get to play? Uh, well, since we had a larger group at one point, played a decent amount of Jackbox, which is always fun. Really like the TKO t-shirt thing. Um, but then as far as on the table goes, we played the uh, Enter the Danger, Haunted Mansion or Dangerous Mansion or whatever, the Choose Your Own Adventure game. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was pretty fun. It wasn't entirely gamish, but it was definitely a group Choose Your Own Adventure. It was pretty fun. Right. Uh, I've heard that. And, I've heard that review before that it's it's more of an activity, but it's a darn fun activity. Yeah, yeah, it is. And then the other game we played um, was Chicken Pig, mm-hmm. which which was uh, surprisingly good. It was good. It was. It was okay. I I've never yeah. played it. I've seen it around a bit. Yeah. Oh no, it's uh, great. It's got the grid layout, and you've got to get your pigs from one side to the other through a goalpost on the other end the pigs can only move until they run into something and then the rest of the game is using uh, actions to slide blocks one square at a time to create the paths that you can fling your pigs around while blocking the opponents from getting through their goalposts so <laughs> it's pretty fun it's that sounds like fun yeah, it's a pretty simple mechanic there's a cow that walks around and poops so that's always a lot of fun uh, everybody loves poop what is what is the what does that do in the game, like mechanically speaking? Okay, so the cow, um, you have two decks of cards: the flower cards, which are always positive, and the poop cards, which are always negative. 
And the cow, when somebody rolls a one, they have the option to place the cow wherever they want. And the cow is a block. You can't move through the cow, it'll stop your pick. So you can use it to create temporary blocking situations. Then when you place the cow, it poops. When right. the cow moves, the poop stays there. Right. If your pig slides through that poop, uh, then you pick up a poop card and you have to resolve it at the end of your turn. Ah, I can. And, and it's uh, they're usually pretty bad. Like take one of the pigs you already got through out of the through the goalpost and put it back in your starting area. That sort of thing. <laughs> That's funny. But yeah, no, but it's uh, it's fun. That sounds like a good time. Yeah. Uh, it reminded me of. Uh, Amazing Labyrinth, just in the relatively simple design, but complex mm-hmm. uh, focus in building the paths. So what did you play for New Year's? Talk about my games. Yeah, yeah. I um, so, oh gosh, what did we play? Uh, we got to play some different stuff. Um, we got a new game for the kids called um, Go Go Gelato, uh, which is like this um, dexterity style game where you are um, trying to uh, sort uh gelato cones like cones of gelato like to the like it's like you they start in a certain way and then there's a pattern and you have to build the pattern as quickly as possible uh and all the players have the same setup and they're trying to build the same pattern and the kids really like that that was pretty fun um played some blockus with the kids was teaching them how to play that um so i here's a game that is embarrassing that i've never played before um corkle have you heard of corkle so it's like, like a, I should be more embarrassed. yeah, no, I mean, I don't know. I it's, I bought it at a garage sale for a dollar quite a while ago. Uh, and it's got these heavy black, like wood tiles with symbols on them. Um, and you're basically just trying to make patterns of, of different, there's six symbols and six colors, I think. And you're trying to make patterns of either. Yeah. All six symbols, one in each color or all the sim, all the different symbols of one color. Um, and you score points at the end of every turn based on the pattern you build. Um, and the pattern keeps growing. And then, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's a very clever, simple game. Uh, but it was funny cause I was at my mom's place and she was like, Hey, you guys ever played Quirkle before? And I was like, no, do you play it? Yeah. She did. She's like, Oh yeah, I love it. I was like, great. Can you teach me? Cause then I don't have to read the rules. So she's like, sure. So she taught me how to play it. And, um, yeah. And then we played it again over new year's, which was a lot of fun. Um, yeah, yeah. Other than that, I've got some, I'm behind on some play testing that I need to do. Uh, so I have to get on board with that. Um, but other than that, um, yeah, now the game stuff has been entertaining of late. So when we, uh, when I had you on the show, it was, like I said, it was short notice and, uh, this is for the builders. This is all information you're already aware of Kelly, but, uh, we, we sat here trying to come up with a topic and, um, as historically you all know, I'm very bad at coming up with a topic. And of course, I forgot to tell Kelly ahead of time, hey, bring a topic. And so we were kind of talking back and forth and brainstorming. And and I said to him, you know, you're a, you, you've been designing for a bit now, but you're still a newer designer. Um, uh, like, let's like, let's talk about like how things are going for you. And like, would you be willing to put yourself out there and like kind of talk about that and things that are going well, not well, what you want to see improve in the next year? Um, and he was gracious enough to say, yes, let's try that. Um, and I think that, you know, focusing back on, you know, as Kelly actually said, well, you're close to 400 now, let's focus back on how this all started. Um, and that's something we, we like doing. So yeah, so that's what we're going to talk about for our topic today. Um, so spotlight on Kelly, uh, no pressure. It's going to be great. Yay. 
If you say anything super stupid, I'll just cut it. Don't worry. People have no idea the super dumb stuff I've said in this. I've listened to the show for several years now. I believe four years now, and I know for a fact that is not true, Jason. So, so thank you. Well, think about it this way. Think about it this way. When you think he can't possibly have cut the stupid stuff out because I heard the show. No, it gets worse. It gets worse. <laughs> oh, man. In the last... At least like a blooper reel or something sometime. I'm going to be honest and say that in the last five episodes, twice, I've had to do some brutal cutting to like <laughs> where it was just like we we're talking about something and all of a sudden it's like, oh my gosh, we sound dumber than normal. Like this is not good. And I'm not going to say who I was who I was talking to. Um, but, uh, it was, it was pretty, it was pretty bad. Yeah. <laughs> all right, then. Then, I, then I'll trust. Yeah. Yeah. So don't worry. So, okay. um, all right. So, uh, I think to kick this off, uh, you've been designing now for, for a few years, right? Uh, yeah, I haven't gotten to spend a lot of time focusing on it. Cause uh, for a lot of those years I was in grad school and as Katarski can, uh, but that's too, that takes up a lot of your time and energy. It does. It does. Yeah. So, yeah, I've been doing it a few years. I'm still I'm excited the last year or so. I've had a lot more time to devote to working on it, so I've had more time to throw together some different designs and focus on it. But nice. Um, yeah, and so that, that right there, I mean, that is something where I, I think that um, it can be really hard when you're just kind of dabbling, right? Like you're you're working on some things here and there, um, but not really getting to really, really dive in to it, right? Yeah. Well, it takes – thinking up the ideas is fun, but if you actually want to make anything come to fruition, it takes a decent amount of focus and energy to make the prototypes, do the playtesting, figure out what sucks about it and what's good about it and all that. Right. Yeah, that's – like, I mean, it's – ideas are easy, right? Like, it's super easy yeah. to come up with an idea and throw it out there. Um, but it, it, the rubber meets the road where you have to like make the game work, right? Yeah. And playtesting I found has been the, the best way for that. Especially if I get to playtest with another designer because uh, usually they'll make some sort of offhanded comment that uh, really highlights a very core issue with the game. <laughs> Not necessarily issue, but... Uh, right. Something that something that could be vastly improved on, and they might not realize they've made the comment that highlights it, but uh, it really helps. Like you've seen, you've played Circuitous for every version of it through the last few years. I have, yes. You've seen, and you've seen the change that uh, has happened with the feedback from people. Oh yeah, such yeah. As yourself. Yep. Yeah. yeah, no, that's a game uh, that uh, Circuitous uh, is is the first design of yours I think I ever played. Um, um, maybe, yeah. Yeah, and, uh, but that game, that was, Rob and I played that for you years ago, and it was both of us, when we got done, we're like, this is, this is really clever. Like, this, we, we like this, and, and somehow you've made it loads better than we thought it was when you originally showed it to us, too, so. Well, like, uh, you helped with that. Neil made some comments that helped with that, and then Katarski made a couple comments the first time I showed it to him that really helped too. So you helped make it beautiful, Jason. Thank you. I, I tried. It was there was a lot of other people with smarter ideas than mine. <laughs> I'm certain. I'm used to that. It's okay. All right. As long as that person wasn't somebody like a Josh Mills, I, I'm okay with that. Or Nate. I don't want to hear that like Nate made it better. Like that's not it's not okay. Um, he did. He he did kind of help with some of the. <laughs> 
design. Oh, that guy, that guy. No, he's yeah. a good guy. He's a good guy. Um, so, uh, yeah, no, that is, that is, uh, I mean, do you like when you, for, for you with, cause like I said, you sent me a pretty good list of games you're working on. Do you think that that's like your, your most solid design right now? Uh, that's the one that I, circuitous is the one I believe is the most solid design. That's the one. And I believe that just cause I, have had a couple of publishers look at it now and they've both said it's good uh you've played it and said it's good everyone i've had played it says it's good to go so i'm actually planning on uh cold emailing some publishers i actually bought a webcam and some diffuse lighting stuff and the like so i can make a few gameplay videos for awesome those cold emails yeah. awesome well if you need if you uh yeah, if you need any feedback on gameplay videos or suggestions as you're working on that, let me know. Obviously, I've done the video stuff a decent amount. I actually have to make a gameplay video the next week. So, yeah. Awesome. Yeah. No, it's like, I appreciate the offer. I'll definitely do that. And it's really important for a game like Circuitous because it is a very visual game. It's difficult to see the draw of it if you can't actually see it spread right. out on the table. Right, yeah. And it's a game where you're... you're you're doing this placement that kind of makes these snaky paths and, uh, and it's, it's, yeah, it is something to see on the table. Uh, if somebody's ever played like a, what is it like Kodama? Is that the, uh, yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's a very different game, but it's got that look to it where things are very sprawling and oddly shaped and things like that, you know? Yeah. Oh yeah. It's a free placement path building game. Looks like, looks like somebody tried to, uh, to play like Mexican train dominoes, but they were, you know, like high at the time, right? So all yeah. the, all the, everything does lines up really wonky. Yeah. No. <laughs> Which is kind of the, uh, the point. Right. That yeah. makes me very happy. Right. Right. Um, so, um, let's talk a little bit about, you know, what, what, uh, you mentioned getting play tests has been a big struggle for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, uh, my friend, uh, one of my best friends, we usually, he does the art and we'll usually do get together and do play tests every once in a while. But for a while he was, had a two year old and was working two jobs. So he hasn't had a whole lot of time for that. And then I do a lot of extracurriculars that, uh, take up more time than I was expecting, such as doing uh, community theater, which then is rehearsals five nights a week. So I'm usually sneaking stuff in. I've had a, few of my coworkers play some of the games on lunch break and like, but yeah, sneaking in those play tests, you know, like, I mean, even for myself, like being self-employed, I set my own schedule and I still have trouble <laughs> play testing stuff because not everyone else can do that. So, yeah. <laughs> um, have you, uh, you know, one thing that could work for you that Neil and I have been using, um, is the tabletop simulator works pretty well. Um, for that, if you've, I don't know if you use that, I can't remember. I've downloaded and played with it a little bit. Um, at the time I was focused on circuitous and that's a lot more difficult to pull into a uh, tabletop simulator. Right. Just because of the nature of it. Uh, but with the other games I'm working on, I've been planning on going back to that because I can totally get a lot of that done in just a CSV and upload that, which would be very nice. That makes sense. Yeah. No. And, um, uh, if you need help with Tabletop Simulator, I'm sure Neil would be happy to teach you some stuff about that. So, well, I'll definitely hit him up. <laughs> he does some he does some amazing stuff with some of the games we're working on, where he's like, 
<laughs> making it do this like weird flipping of the tiles and stuff and all sorts of stuff. And yeah, it's it all it's all beyond me. So I'm just like, good good work, Neil. Let's keep playing this. This is great. <laughs> Um, it's always important to have those uh, experts, right? Right. Helping you out. Yeah. So, like, what are um, what do you find to be some of your other um struggles uh, as a designer? Uh, well, it can be difficult for me to like with any sort of uh, professional creative thing. You've got to come to the point where you can just sit down and hammer at the thing that you know has potential, but you can't quite get it shaped the right way. Um, and I can't quite do that. Usually that involves me just setting it to the side for a while until some sort of uh, inspiration strikes and then coming back to it. Yeah. Figuring that way. Yep. Yeah. That, that was something that I, I still struggle with a bit. I struggled with it a lot for a long time. Um, I, the, honestly, the cure for me with that has been the co-design work only because <laughs> When I get stuck, one of the co-designers can usually fix the problem or tell me that I'm just going down the wrong path. Um, so, yeah. So there's that, right? Yeah. And I think sometimes, too, just um, being able to sit down with another designer and chat about it to say, like, hey, this is what I'm struggling with this game. What's broke? You know, um, doing like what you did for me of sending an email with, you know, saying, hey, can you just give me some thoughts on these games? What pops in your head about this? I think that's really smart to do um because yeah you know and i think um more designers should do that with one another um you know be sharing that information like you know hey this is the game i'm working on i think the other thing too is making like uh i'm working on this one project right now and some of the co-designers have been making videos where they explain uh what's going on with the game and what their playtests are doing and uh that's really been helpful because you can visually see, hey, here's the cards. This is the issue I'm having with this. Um, like recording something like that and sending it out to some designer friends and saying, hey, can you watch this five minute video and just give me your thoughts on it? Like, you know. Um, oh, that's a great idea. So, yeah. And I only thought of it because other smarter people than me uh, were thinking about it. So. Uh, I love smarter people than myself. They've been very helpful throughout my life. Yeah, me too. Me, me too. Same thing. Yeah. yeah. It's, uh, it's gotten me through a lot of stuff. <laughs> <laughs> oh, definitely. Right, uh, right. But, yeah. Any other, uh, anything else that like feels difficult on the side of design that stands out to you or no? Are those kind of the main things? Those are kind of the main things. Uh, Waiting for something to, I usually have to either have somebody play test or take a step back once I've got a initial design just to make sure like whatever's in my head actually translates and it's not absolutely horrible because you always have that blind spot. Right. Sure do. Uh, and I haven't quite, quite gotten past that uh, initial blind spot. Takes a bit more experience than I've got. Oh, I... I don't know that we ever truly get rid of those blind spots. You know, I think that I think the best thing that can happen is that we can start to be aware of what our common blind spots are. Like, you know, oh, I tend with a game to have this problem. Therefore, I should attempt to, you know, check when I'm doing this. Like, do I have this problem with this game? Is this an issue? Um, You know, so... 
Yeah, I, I struggle a lot of times with wanting games to have too much text on a card. Like, oh, this is a huge piece of information that you have to read every time you do this, you know, and and feeling like this is really easy for me because I'll just memorize the cards because I designed it and because that kind of stuff comes comes easy to me. But then, like, I go to play with someone else and they're like, oh, like, I like there's so much reading I have to do, you know? Um, no, I, I, I yeah. totally get that. I've, uh, it's one of the reasons I made Circuitous the way I did was because every time I tried to sit down and make a game that had any text on cards, like, all of the conditionals and all of the interactions <laughs> and whatnot got way too complicated. Yep. yep. Way too quickly. Right, right, right. Uh, that was so. That was. I think that was incredibly smart, though, right? To say, "Hey, I'm I'm really having trouble doing this one thing. I'm going to try and design a game that just doesn't do that at all." Um, basically, you took away the thing that was causing the issue and said, "I'm going to do this in a way where I shouldn't have issues anymore." So that, and that's 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 a pretty smart way to approach it, I think. Uh, thank you. That was a combination of things. That was actually came out of a um, game jam. Uh, scatter jam that they did a few years ago in St. Louis and the, the theme was connections so it's just how can I make a game about connecting point A to point B uh, point B as simply as I can and then I had to keep the art simple because my friend who was supposed to be in the game jam with me to do the art uh, backed out so lines on cards I can do <laughs> see so uh, necessity there the mother of invention right as they say That's true. I, I do love the uh, random restrictions like that not necessarily the restrictions you get off like organizer, but make it around this vague concept or right. The like. I feel like with, I feel like with board gameizer, it's always like, okay, I found the perfect thing, right? Like this is the game I want to pitch. Add restriction, and then the restrictions like, oh, you had ideas? No, this whole game that's like a four X game is like design a four X game <laughs> about like turtles on the moon and it's only cards with numbers like and you're like what wait what how is that even possible yeah uh, that is exactly the problem <laughs> right no i many times we've stopped using the uh, restriction part because it makes it not fun it's like no i'm just not going to do that yeah. um, uh, i do like the random themes that they pull up with that uh organizer but yes yes yeah so what do you think are your um, are your kind of your your core strengths, the, the things that really you feel like come better to you and come natural to you when, when you're working on games? Hmm. I know this is a hard question, then what are you bad at? <laughs> it is. I'm very good at telling you everything wrong with myself. Um, but let's see. What I would consider my core uh, strengths there? Um uh, coming up with, from the people I've talked to, coming up with decent themes that aren't the standard are usually pretty good. Doing that, and from that, it usually ties into how I build the game. But Yeah, I think the game you're going to pitch tonight will prove that. So, <laughs> at first I thought you said, I'm pretty bad about, and I was like, what is he talking, why is he, he's not bad about that. Like, what is he talking about? And I was like, oh no, you said you're good at it. Yes, I yes. concur. <laughs> Yes, I'm answering right. what am I good at question. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I just, I heard you wrong. Uh, uh, other than that, um, I'm really good at taking someone's feedback that they give me, look 
looking at the core of the issue that they're actually trying to get at and then applying that feedback in a way that is maintains the core of the game while addressing that issue. Yeah, and that I've seen you do that with with circuitous and uh, yeah, that I, I agree with you and that really that is um, a, just a, such an important game design skill to be able to really understand what someone means when they give you because most people are bad at giving feedback, especially non-game designers, right? Like like a game designer, I can show you a game and you can say, well, here's the issues I see from a gameplay perspective. And, you know, you from a designer, we just kind of, I don't know, we speak the same language, right? It makes it a little easier. But when you've got a non-designer playing your game and they come back and say, well, here's here's what I didn't like about your game. The, the, you know, yeah, a lot of times they're not saying what they're what they're saying outwardly is not what they actually mean. They're saying it to the best of their knowledge, what they understand to be the issue, right? Yeah, yeah. And that's that's really the important thing because the majority of people who play your game aren't going to be designers. So you've right. got to be able to parse what they're actually, what's hindering them from enjoying it. Right, right. Yeah, and I think I do think it's important to get, when you're playing a game, playtesting a game, I mean, to get yeah. designers and non-designers to play your game um, I think that's so important and so critical to do that. Oh, definitely. Um, very, very important. No, I think I think those are a couple of really good skills to have, and I think you nailed those. Um, so, what are your what are your hopes for moving forward? You know, obviously, you're working on quite a few games uh, right now, or at least you have a list of quite a few games that you're kind of in the idea stage maybe ready to prototype um you know what what do you what's your goals kind of for this this next 12 months and moving forward this next 12 months moving forward i'd like to um one i would love to have security assigned and then have a few other games actually to the point of pitching and having cold emailed and contacted publishers about right uh that would be the thing there and actually I want to get into a a better routine for working on the things. Uh, Figuring out a specific time that I can always know I have time to sit down and work on that, you know, make time to make it happen and try to figure out, definitely figure out the tabletop simulator thing because then it's a uh, heck of a lot easier to schedule that playtesting time. Absolutely. You know, I think that Tabletop Simulator would make that really easy. I mean, you you'd certainly would have people like myself and Neil who use it as well, who love playtesting other people's games. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. That's the, uh, the overarching. So just, yeah. Yeah, no, I think those are, I think that's that's a good goal. That seems achievable, right? Um, so for getting Circuit assigned, are you looking now trying to target companies that you think would be a good fit for um you know circuitous for the people that don't it's a very small game it's a very small deck how many cards are in that uh 108 108 which is great for a double chuck box or you know the kind of the mind size box mm-hmm. yeah um made small on purpose because i started the design when i was in grad school and i was like wanted to make games that were 20 dollars or less uh, right right uh, yeah, I'm picking up cardboard. Like I said, I got the material to do the playtest video, and then it's um, going to Cardboard Edison and going through there. Uh, and a notebook nearby, I've got 
got several publisher names written down already. Um, oh, good, good. Uh, for ones that would actually fit. That's why I made sure to have Katarski uh, look at it because he is, you know, Green Couch Games is all about the small box fun uh, games. Right. Yeah, and he knows so much about that size game. That, yeah. Um, yeah, he can be real helpful in giving you good information on what to do with that. Yeah, um, yeah for sure. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So that's the something to send them and then that so having someone like you to help me with the give me some feedback on the videos is going to be very helpful i've got some people that can help me with the graphic design for the cell sheet but the video is not quite as much right right yeah the cell and so cell sheets are important um videos you know i videos are becoming more and more important i think um so yeah, yeah, and then for you, um, you've already got Circuitous up on GameCrafter currently, right? Uh, I made some changes and I took it back down. I'll have to re-put it up with uh, new changes put up. But yeah, it was up there recently. Awesome. So, but once you know, once you have that back up there, obviously that's something it makes it easy to ship to publishers directly from there because it's not a super expensive oh, yeah. game. Oh yeah, no, no, no. It's definitely not super expensive, and it is very nice to be able to just because I've uh, shipped you copies from there. You just put in the yes. address and can get it printed and sent out right away. Yeah, it's very nice. So, um, yeah, no, I think that's that's good. Um, and then yeah, you mentioned the cardboard Edison. Um, you've got their big omnibus of info there uh, yeah. with all of those publishers in there. I can't tell people how important it is to have that. Um, because you want to make sure you're targeting the correct publishers with it. So, yeah. Yeah, it is definitely. And you, you pitch them a lot. So I'm kind of curious if the, it's like a Casper mattress situation now that your podcast, which is cardboard Edison instead. <laughs> no, 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 no. But if I did have to be affiliated with someone cardboard Edison, that wouldn't be too bad. They're pretty amazing. Yeah. So, uh, no, they just, you know, like us, they're out there trying to help others who are uh, designing. And, uh, you know, so I like to support them. They're, they're amazing. Every week they share our link to our show. And I'm sure that a lot of our listens come from that because, well, because people trust them uh, even when they send our links, which is impressive because I wouldn't trust them for that. But uh, what's this crap they're sending out now? Is there no quality control here? Absolutely no quality control. No, no, no. I mean, I've listened to the show. <laughs> oh, now you're on it. So this this so, will be the one episode they won't retweet for us. And you'll be like, oh, no. Yeah, I feel that coming, man. I feel that coming. <laughs> uh, I think because we got straight down to game talk and didn't spend like half an hour talking about Star Wars or something. But It is tough not to do that. That is... That is an important yeah. part of the show, right? It is. It is. So it is entirely why I listen to Building the Game podcast. Uh, right. For the Marvel and or Star Wars talk at the beginning. There is a good amount of that, and that is okay. So it really <laughs> depends on the co-host, because, you know, Julio <laughs> won't let me talk about anything, so. Oh, that is very true. Uh, but um, Nicole is, Nicole's pretty good about it. Katarski, that guy, I could talk to him for the whole episode, and he'd be like, did we forget to record other stuff? Oh, okay. Well, that's cool. Let's just do this anyways. Um, so 
Here's a question for you. Yes. So I'm a new designer listening to listening to the building the game. Uh, what for that new designer? What tips would you give them to learn from the things you've had to learn from? Uh, find another podcast. Um, <laughs> uh, no, uh, from what I've had to learn from, get in touch with the local community if you can. Uh, most cities will have some sort of smaller board game thing going on. And if they don't have a small board game thing going on there, look for like the smaller cons that are happening around. Like Grand Con is a great example. Uh, Nate dragged me to that a few years ago and I've been coming back ever since. Yes. Geekway to the Western, the local area is pretty great for that smaller convention where you can actually talk to people, play games, and actually talk to the publishers and vendors to get a feel for what's going on there. Um, and then I would say, if for beginner designers, make sure you're either walking around the game stores and seeing what's out there, uh, look through the Kickstarter and see what's actually being backed and published and all that for the board games or like looking through cardboard edition and looking for what they actually what publishers are actually wanting right uh, um, that and be ready to kill your first few designs because they are most likely not going to be particularly good <laughs> unless you're Julia right right no, I, that is, that's something that so many people I think don't realize is that really your first few designs are probably going to be garbage. And the thing is you can go back to them and strip them for parts, right? At any time you can go back and reuse the original theme you had with a game, right? You know, I mean, that's totally cool to do that, but you know, I think just in general, not being too attached to your designs is, is smart. You know, I, um, I had a moment today where I sat down uh, with a co-designer and said, I got this great idea I'm really excited about. And I pitched it to them and they were like, yeah, here's what I would do. And they completely revamped everything in the conversation. Um, But I'm like, no, that's good. Like this is, we got somewhere really interesting with this because I wasn't like, no, 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 no. This is what I want for this game. I was like, okay, no, what do you have to say? Like, tell me what, what your concerns are. Um, and they had some great ideas, um, and you know, addressed concerns and then said, what, let's try this. And I was like, yeah. And it ended with them saying, okay, I'm going to go back and I'm going to, um, uh, sketch this out for you and then come back to you with it. So that was pretty awesome. That is pretty awesome. Yeah. And I'm like the, the co-designing thing you've uh, fallen into has been pretty amazing because you did some fun games beforehand, but I've been pretty blown away by the stuff you've been working on other people with. Hey, well, that's the secret, man. Just get designers that yeah. are better than you to slum it with you, and then <laughs> you're in. Well, not all of us can be as pretty as you, Jason. It's true. It's true. I mean, yeah. I mean, basically it's me and then what? Ben Pinchback, and that's pretty much it, right? I mean, you know. So yeah. the the top of the line there, on the on the handsome status. So yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah. So we need ten more for that uh, designer <laughs> calendar. Yes. Oh, I want to do that. Let's make a board game dude designer calendar. That sounds great. <laughs> All right, I'm down. <laughs> oh man. So um, 
I think that's some good stuff. I think those are some good, uh, I think those are some good thoughts and ideas. I appreciate you being willing to talk through that stuff. Uh, it's really important, you know, that we, uh, as designers kind of talk through where we're at, what we're doing, what we struggle with, what we're good at. I think it's, it's so important to talk about all of that stuff. So, so I appreciate that. Um, and, uh, now, now you're going to pitch a game that I'm excited about. Uh, I got to read a little bit about this game and then you were, we we're looking for mechanics to talk about and you started talking about this game and I was like, no, 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 you got to pitch this one. Cause it's, this is, this is really, this, this very much highlights your, um, uh, your approaching themes in a different way and, you know, doing something interesting and, and different. So yeah. Um, so right, take it away. Well, I will be pitching Centaur stage. Um, Centaurs, if you can't tell, I love puns and, uh, yeah, usually a, title will help with the theme but centaur stage is you are playing as a group of stereotypical dnd slash fantasy monsters like centaur orc goblin vampire that sort of thing uh it is a co-op game where you are trying to make sure the neighboring village the village you're setting up doesn't flip out and send uh adventurers from their tavern to come kill you or you know pitchforks and torches and the like so You've decided as a group the best way to win over the village people, uh, not the village people, but the uh, <laughs> villagers. Um, best way to, I guess you could win over the village people with this too. Uh, the best way to win over the villagers is musical theater. So you've got your plan, but you need to get the props and whatnot you need from around the village to actually put on the show. So every round, the players go out to the village, a different location at the village, and will search through the deck to find props uh, to bring back and use for the show. The thing is, monsters running around the village has the chance to raise up panic. So you're through, while you're searching, you're trying to increase the hype for the show and make sure that's at a higher level than the panic in the town. Because then when you put on the show at the end and make that final check, if the hype is too low, it makes that very difficult to do. And then, you know, pitchforks and torches and no more happy monster village. So... Every round, you have go to the village. Each section of the village is a small deck of cards. In the deck of cards, there are uh, four different types of cards. You have a villager, a useful item or boon or something, a challenge, and a prop. So you can flip over three cards every turn uh, to examine them. You only have to stop flipping if you encounter the a villager or a challenge. And then you have to make a choice about what you're going to do with those. The villager card, you have three choices. You can end your turn there and run away, uh, in which case, um, see, the villager gets shuffled or uh, <clears throat> raises a small amount of panic and goes off to tell other villagers that they saw a monster. You can knock them out and hide them, so you would then shuffle them face up in another location's uh, deck or you can attempt to win them over in which case you based on the monster you are or and the challenges you've received bonuses you have you would roll dice uh to try to get the key symbol and other symbols for the villager uh, that's there and it's roll the dice choose one to place and set one aside so you're going down two dice every time and losing that variability um that way if you don't get the key symbol or enough symbols on there the villager generates panic but everyone you do get generates hype so that balances that way um, 
Now, with hiding the villager, that is where the uh, constable comes in. The constable goes around to a different location every round and will flip a card underneath. And look, if they come across an unconscious villager, it raises the uh, panic even higher. Uh, uh, as the panic gets higher, more constables go around and flip more cards as well. The challenges, uh, you have a couple choices there. You can either choose to take a different path, so flip the challenge back over, take the top, the next two cards and place them on the bottom of the deck and keep flipping, and, or you can attempt the challenge. And if you succeed at the challenge, it gives you some sort of benefit or boon. Uh, extra dice to roll, re-rolls, uh, extra hype no matter what because he did something cool, and of course uh, props and useful things you just pick up. Uh, and that's that. You go until, I believe, seven rounds or ten rounds. Ten rounds. Uh, try to get as many props as you can, and then at the end you put on your show. Oh, uh, challenges are also the roll dice and choose one, place one, or discard one. Oh, okay. Right, right. So that the whole overall theme and story there is ridiculous in like the best way. So that's I love that. Um, so you're um, you've got how many decks for locations? Did you say uh, six? Six. Okay. Okay. And how many cards in each deck? Uh, base is six, but each character has their own. Each monster has their own smaller deck that you then shuffle into the others. So as players increase, since they're going to be searching more, it increases the size of the decks. So it's relatively small deck count because you only have so many turns. So it'll probably be, I changed the number they flip over, so it'll probably be about 10 per that, and then uh, the extra decks for the individual monsters. And is the um, is the show variable, or is the show always the same? I haven't uh, I haven't decided about that yet. That's that, something I'm going to... I could see like a, um, I could see like a, you know... Easy, medium, and hard mode, right? Where you have yeah. different shows that require different things and different levels of, you know, success and hype. Oh, no, that makes sense. I like that. And then it could also be uh, different themes for different shows, favor different monsters are easier for them to pull off. Right. Um, and then one of the things that I may have missed this, but you can, when you go to the village, can you actually go to the village just with the purpose of generating hype? Uh, it depends on what you flip, um, how you interact with things. So hype, you would actually have to either interact with somebody or achieve certain challenges. Uh, but you can't go to like the village square and be like, Hey, come see our play. It's really good. I'm not a scary monster. Uh, I hadn't thought about that. Um, that would be an interesting mechanic to add. I'd have to figure out what challenge rating that would be because it wouldn't be well, I guess if you're just doing that and not spending your turn searching, that adds to get other things that could um, be a worthwhile choice. It, it might be funny if um, somehow there were cards with like flyers on it for the show. Yeah. And you were trying to post those in certain places. Okay. Um, whether it was put, just putting it in the deck or something or some other <laughs> location, um, because, you know, that would help... In fact, actually, like if you could take the turn to shuffle that into the deck and then if it comes up, the fact that it comes up means that people have seen it and that automatically generates hype. Um, oh, I really like that. So I just picture like these really like terrible looking signs made like, you know, and scrawled out and like pinned to a thing. <laughs> oh, I like that. Like the, uh, the stereotypical goblin writing that's 
poor grammar and nothing but scratches. Exactly, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Because um, that, that could just be kind of a fun, you know, another... Because yeah, being able to purposely spend your turn generating hype, um, you know, or attempting to generate hype by putting it in the deck could be cool. Yeah. And maybe, like, if the constable finds that, that could have another positive benefit. Like... He's like, oh, what's this? You know, yeah. and moves on. So no, I like that. So yeah. Doesn't doesn't buy hype, but it's a get out of jail free card. <laughs> <laughs> I dig that. So it's like they come there and they see the flyer and they're like, oh, they were just posting this and move on. Right, right. Um the other thing that pops into my head, this this may be a this may be completely out of the scope of what you're trying to do, but something that popped into my head that could be funny would be like if there were other random monsters in the area that could sometimes cause problems. Okay. Because like you're creating the monster village, but that doesn't mean there's not a troll that lives under the bridge in the other direction that's coming into the camp and uh, coming into their town and causing problems, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I, almost, I'm thinking of it almost like a mechanic of like the... Um, uh, like in the Sims games, you know, where like you'd have, um, or Sim City, where you'd have like the uh, disasters, you know, like, hey, you flip a card and it's it's a goblin who's not from your village who's stealing chickens, right? So now they're like, oh, okay, I like that because then it could be um, instead of a straight up negative, it could be they'd have to make a choice about something they could sacrifice to avoid taking a major negative or increasing panic. Oh, that's a good idea. Like maybe it says like the goblin did this. So you're like, well, I could give them some of our chickens or whatever, you know, just as an idea um, to balance that out. Or I can just, we can take the hit. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah, that could be fun. Add another little choice point in there. It's always good. So those are my, those are my ideas. No, I like that. Um, Cause I had been feeling there needed to be a little bit more in there. That was one of the reasons I sent the uh, email to you in the first place was looking for that. I do like the idea of the um, random monsters coming in. You having to do something to mitigate that. Uh, like an after every day sort of thing. Right. Yeah. Right. right. So any other thoughts, feedback, comments? Um, the only, so I'm just thinking, cause in general, like it's, I think beyond this, I would have to play it to be able to give more feedback, yeah, um, which this would be an easy one for simulator. I think based on what you're describing, um, the only other thing I could think was I'm thinking of like fairy tale stuff and like, you know, if you could win over a person to be on your side, right. Yeah. Um, then maybe that card somehow goes like face up in the middle between all the decks and like that person is like an advocate for you and somehow they're like generating hype or like, I don't know, you know, you know what I mean? Like basically like you've won over someone and somehow that is helpful to you. Um, and maybe that would be like a critical success thing, right? Like when you're trying to win them over, like if you critically succeed now, they're not just okay with you. They're advocating for you. Yeah. So if you fill all the slots on the card, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. And again, just, I mean, I'm just literally just throwing out ideas that sound fun to me. No, no. They may be terrible. They may be terrible, but they're worth thinking about. Or at least that's what I'm going to say while we're recording. (laughs) Well, the the biggest thing I always look at is, 
I can't count, like, especially when I'm working with Neil, the number of times I've been like, here's a really bad idea. And he's like, that is terrible, but that makes me think of this. We should do this. And so that's why I, I find that it's always worth saying, this might be bad, but here's an idea. I appreciate that. But no, there's, uh, that is the uh, whole thing between behind Centaur stage. Excellent. Sounds fun. And you know, if, uh, if we believe what Isaac uh, Shalev says, he says a pun is sick. A good pun is 60% of a game. So, uh, you know, <laughs> well, I, I approve <laughs> of that, that message. I agree with Mr. Shalev. Right, right. And he literally wrote the book on the subject. So <laughs> indeed he did. All right. Well, hey, we're uh, we're we're about out of time here. So, um, is there anything you want to plug uh, while you're on the show here? Uh, well, I've already plugged Cardboard Edison, and um, I'm not up on my Kickstarter thing right now. So, if there's something Kickstarter you want to make sure gets said, definitely plug that. I don't have anything right now. No. So right, yeah. Cool. Yeah. No. no, no. Um, I did see the uh, latest Star Wars last week. That was that was something. I did too. I really enjoyed it. A lot of people uh, have disagreed with that, but uh, yeah, no, I, I enjoyed it. It just felt like um, a decent chunk of it was damage control from previous previous movies. But yeah, I did it's, enjoy it. it's funny because I didn't actually notice that as much as like I'm hearing that consistently and realizing like, Oh yeah, some of it was damage control from, but like it didn't occur to me that that was the case when I was watching it. You know what I mean? Like, like a couple things where I was like, okay, well I knew they were probably going to slightly retcon this, but, um, quite a bit of it to me didn't feel like that, but it felt like that to a lot of people. So it just must've, I just must've been too enamored with some of the star Wars stuff to not catch that. So yeah. They did nail the Star Wars-y stuff. Yes. That was a lot of fun. Though I think the best Star Wars thing happening right now is The Mandalorian. Uh, Which I have not yet uh, have not yet seen. When you get a chance, it is the best Star Wars thing happening right now. So I will watch it. It's real good. It. It's like it's basically <laughs> like, what if they made a Western in space in the Star Wars world? And you're like, it's good. It's real good. So, yeah. Nice. All right. Well, with that, we should probably wrap up here. So I want to thank you again for uh, being uh, on the show. Well, thank you for having me, sir. I hope. Yeah, hope to talk to you again soon. Yes, and uh, let me do this end spiel here. Uh, if you want to get in touch with us, you can go to buildingthegamepodcast.com. You can email us at buildingthegamepodcast at gmail.com. You can call us at 770-TELL-BTG. You can find us on Twitter at podcastbtg, at J.A. Slingerland. And Kelly is... Oh, uh, on Twitter at K-E-N-E-H-O, Kennyho. Yes. And on uh, Facebook, I do have the Platicorn Games on Facebook. I can search for that. That's where I post most of my game stuff. And... That is that. Awesome. And uh, yeah, find us on all the podcast stuff. You can also find us on Facebook. Uh, that, I think, is everything. So until next time, good night. Good night. Building the game with Jason and friends. With Jason and friends. Building the game. Building the game with Jason and friends. With Jason and friends. Dial 770 BTG. Please don't use the email. <laughs>